This podcast may contain coarse language. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, this podcast will obviously contain spoilers for Demon Slayer. Please beware, listen at your own risk. Welcome to the Demon Slayer Podcast. I am your host, GTZ, and with me today, I have Laser Kid. Howdy, people. And with us also today is Allison. I am back by popular demand. Yes, yes, you are. And also time convenience. Because you just happen to be free when we were recording this. I was trying to say it nicely, but B-Lord ruins the immersion. I tend to do that, but you're also just an awesome person, and we always like talking to you. So that's the other reason. It sounds a good report between the three of us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyways, today we have another great episode of the Demon Slayer dub to talk about. Episode 8. So, Yeah, so I guess uh, we might as well just get straight into this. Yeah. So continuing off last week... Uh, Muzan turned a random passerby into a demon, and, uh, the demon kinda starts attacking people. Like, the person that, uh, the demon's with is, like, worried, like, honey, are you okay? Are you okay? And then, like, the person literally starts biting. It's fine. Well, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a love bite. It's just a flesh wound. You can walk it off. Yeah, it's a fleshy wound. But before the demon can do any more damage, Tanjiro kind of pins it down to the ground and kind of tells everyone to stay back. And during this entire commotion, Muzan and his uh, family walk away. And Tanjiro notices this and he freaking loses it. He starts like screaming like, Muzan, I will hunt you down to like the like depths of the earth and stuff. Like it's this really dramatic scene and... It just kind of brings a chill down your spine. Because, like, we've never seen Tanjiro that, like, genuinely mad before. I mean, seeing him mad at all is rare. Seeing this, holy freaking crap. Yeah, and I think it, you can definitely feel why, because oh, yeah. this is the guy who literally killed his family. <laughs> like, it's and he's so he's, close you know, to he's so close to him, and, like, Muzan's literally just walking away now. The person who killed his family is walking away from him after all the hardships he's had to go through up until now to just find him. That's probably a little bit more than that, too. He's not just walking away. He's just, like, not even willing to face him. He's just yeah. like, yeah, uh, He's not, like, acknowledging him or anything. He's just like, oh, let's let's just leave this guy alone. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite a scene. And, uh, it was so hype. Yeah, it was definitely really hype. And the anime does a really great job of hyping it up. So that just makes it even better. But as Tanjiro still has to deal with, like, the demon that uh, Muzan created, and, like, Tanjiro doesn't really have any way to stop the demon without killing it. And, like, the, like, uh, officers and stuff, like, nearby are trying to, like, tell him to get off because, like, the person, because they don't realize that, like, it's a demon. But through all of this, two mysterious people show up and kind of stop all the commotion. And we learn that there's uh, two demons who claim to uh, be willing to help the person that 
Muzan turned into a demon, as well as the person that got bitten by the demon. So Tanjiro decides to kind of trust them and gives the demon and the girl to them while Tanjiro and Nezuko kind of get away. After this, uh, we kind of go and move over to Muzan and his family. And Muzan decides to kind of like branch off from his family and go do his own thing, claiming that he has a lot of work to do. Work. Yeah, work. <laughs> yes, Muzan Little, has dead. work. I mean, you know, getting Little. super triggered by random guys walking in the street and um, ordering around two random people is work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he goes into an alleyway like you always do when you're a villain. And uh, he sees uh, a few people who are drunk. And, like, he bumps into them, and one of the drunk guys tries to get up, like, his ass. And he's like, you you look like you're dead. And that just, like, sets him off and, like, moves on immediately kills him. The fact that I felt some things during that scene, to be honest. I'm assuming unpleasant things. We can go with that, yes. Now I'm concerned. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that, so, at this point. I might have been surprised a couple of years ago, but... Nah, I, I, I get it. Okay, I, I'm not super surprised either at this point. I'm still concerned, though. I'm, I'm, I'm low-key concerned, but I'm not super concerned. <laughs> it's because I know... It's because I know you, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Anyways, so... Yeah, Muzan kind of just goes on a killing spree now, and he kills, like, all the drunk person's, like, friends, and, uh... He, he at the last person that he's like suffocating, he's like, "Does do I look like I am like sickly or dying?" No, you look you look good. You look very good. I love that that that's what got him upset. Not oh, bumping into him, getting in his face. No, no, no. It's you said I look sickly. Yeah, and there, I'm just gonna say this out. There is a reason for that. That's the great thing about this. This is foreshadowing for things we learn about Muzan way later in the series. That's kind of great. My 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 take on this has definitely been that Muzan is a snowflake who gets easily triggered. But if there's more to it, that's even more awesome. Yeah, and uh, after all this commotion, he summons two mysterious demons, and he orders them to find. The boy with the uh, Hanafuda earrings. And we then see a brief kind of flashback to mysterious swordsman with a red sword in Hanafuda earrings. I want to go into that so bad, but I'll wait till we're done discussing the plot. But oh man, that. I noticed that and I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, that, that's uh, another very important detail. Very important on Dello. But moving on, uh, we have a little bit of a f- bit of comedy here in the kind of the middle of the episode. Tanjiro heads back to the udon noodle ga- guy. Yeah, the noodle guy, <laughs> and the noodle guy's like super mad at him because like he didn't eat the udon that you he bought. The udon I made for you, dude. I mean, who does that? I mean, I mean, you take all the context away, and seriously. If you're running a noodle shop and you you know you make go to the trouble, makes really nice, good udon, and, you, and the guy gives you guy, and then the guy just drops it and runs away and leaves his sister for you to watch over. That's pretty weird, man. That that pissed me off too. I didn't really think about it too much. I was too distracted. 
But yeah, I mean, to make up for it, Tanjiro eats two bowls of udon. Because Nezuko can't eat the udon, obviously. So... God, he scars that shit down like like he's Goku or something. Yeah. He's a big boy who needs food. I mean, yeah. I mean, Shonen protagonists, they're all Goku, Luffy, and now Tanjiro. Yeah, exactly. Except Tanjiro is a gooder boy than both of them put together. I actually would agree with that. And you know me in One Piece, so that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely agree, too. And after Tanjiro eats that delicious, delicious udon, he runs into uh, one of the demons that helped him earlier. Who we'll, we'll just call by his name now. It's it's Yushiro. And uh, Yushiro like, tells um, them that uh, his master uh, told... Uh, him to escort them to their like uh hideout and uh Yushir also asked Tanjiro if he knows that that ugly uh <laughs> person next to him is a demon and now it's Tanjiro's turn to get triggered yeah Good he's like what, what, what ugly person what, what what are you talking about well it's only because you can't see through her mask thing the, the the thing she's biting on she's the most beautiful girl in our village yeah the the gist of Tanjiro's rage is don't don't uh don't diss Nezuko don't diss best girl. He's being a good big brother, like man. I, I I can't blame him for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, Tanjiro's uh just kind of mad the entire time they're walking over there, trying to make Yushiro admit that Nezuko is not ugly. He and Yushiro just constantly just set each other off, and it's hilarious as heck to watch. Good yeah. old angry Deku. But eventually they make it uh, to the hideout, and we're introduced to the female demon that helped Tanjiro, Tamayo. And uh, we kind of learn that Tamayo is uh, a doctor, and uh, she's basically kind of helping the like uh, lady that got attacked by the demon, but also says that the man that was turned into a demon will have to kind of live in confinement for the foreseeable future, because there's no way to really... Help the guy, which is kind of sad. The Chad, Tamayo. I mean, they're doing all they can for the guy, and honestly, it's for the best. Yeah, but after this, we kind of get a big, like, info dump of sorts about uh, Tamayo and Yushiro. Tamayo explains that, like, uh, she and Yushiro have basically modified their bodies to be free of Muzan's control and also be able to live off of only a small amount of blood. Um, instead of having to, like, eat humans to survive. We also learned that uh, Tamiyo is actually able to turn people into demons. Previously, we thought that only Muzan could turn people into demons, but Tamiyo learned how to do it after around 200 years of just kind of knowledge and learning. And she turned Yushiro, is what I gathered from all that as well. Yeah, so she was the one who turned Yushiro into a demon, and she explains that... She only turns people into demons who are sickly and consent to it. She'll only do it if, like, they really want to turn into demons. And it's implied that Yushiro is the only one in all her years that's actually wanted to turn into a demon to live longer. I mean, since he's the only one she's made, that, that kind of follows, yeah. Yeah. At one point, Tanjiro also asks about Tamiyo's age, and then Yushiro gets super mad. <laughs> the, 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 the triggering continues. Yeah, I mean, I guess for Yushiro, Tamiyo is his Nezuko. Yes. It, it's a fight over best girls. So it's it's an Anna Twitter war. 
Basically, yeah. The Chad Samuel versus the Virgin Nezuko. That's not far off. <laughs> but anyways, uh, during this entire talk, we kind of move back over to the two demons that Muzan had ordered to track down Tanjiro. And one of them is kind of using their power to kind of track footprints around the area to find where exactly Tanjiro went. And it seems like they have a good lead. So they're kind of following in pursuit of where Tanjiro currently is. Then we go kind of back to the whole conversation with Tamio and uh, Tanjiro basically asks, is there a way to turn someone who's now a demon back into a human? And Tamio says that currently there is no way to do so, but one of her missions is to try to find that cure. And she asks two requests of Tanjiro. One, she wants to research Nezuko because Nezuko is an abnormality in how she behaves because she sleeps a lot and because she's not consuming demons. And the second thing is that she wants Tanjiro to gather the blood of demons that are close to Muzan. Meanwhile, Nezuko is just being adorable as heck in the background. Yeah, she's kind of just laying down and doing her usual Nezuko thing. Yeah. Doggo Nezuko. Yes, we had Doggo Tantra. Now we have Doggo Nezuko. It runs in the family. Yeah, it kind of does. The Kamado Dogos. <laughs> but uh, as the conversation continues, suddenly the two demons find the hideout and start attacking. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of this episode is kind of like an info dump of sorts, but it's a lot of interesting information and a lot of allusions to what is going to happen later in the series, which is uh, interesting. And it gives more to my crackpot theory that the Kamados are connected to the Demon Slayers already. My crackpot theory continues. Crackpot. Crackpot theory. It's been my crackpot theory since before the, I started watching the anime, and then watching the anime, I'm like, I'm starting to see signs. And my current sign is another Demon Slayer with the, with the uh, Hanafuda earrings, and he had a red blade. And... Uh, yeah, we all know that uh, red blades are what that one guy wants to find. Yeah. Yeah, the, both the red blade and the Hanafuda earrings are very important. And that specific figure that they show is also very important. Uh, I'm wondering if he's a Kamado. This would explain why Muzan would go after the Kamados, too, if that's a Kamado. He's like, oh, this guy who pissed me off from whatever in the past. I'm going after his descendants. Screw you! I'm completely on crackpot theory levels. I completely admit I'm on crackpot theories, but this is a theory I've had since a, a couple of chapters releases ago. It just keeps getting more and more plausible to me personally. So there's my crackpot theory for the night. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, mysteries uh, going on here. And funnily enough, uh, a kind of a lot of uh, the things that are alluded to in this episode have been brought up pretty recently in the manga in the simulpub. Obviously, we're not going to go into that there because that'd be huge spoilers that the anime won't get to for a long time. Probably for another three years or four. Yeah, probably not until, probably not until like a season three even. But uh, it's some really interesting stuff. And like I said earlier, Muzan's reaction to that drunkard in what triggered him to kill him also connects to something about Muzan's character. Which is also kind of something that I never noticed before. Like, 
I say this a lot, but Gotake really feels like they, it really feels like Gotake plan things out far and far ahead of time. Like there's so many subtle details, like even from the very first like chapter and episode of Demon Slayer that serves a purpose later on in the story. Not even like a few, like tens or twenty chapters later, but like hundreds of chapters later. So oh it's God. pulling an Ichiroda is what I'm hearing here. Sort of, yeah. Except better. I mean, I'm not sure I'm willing to jump that far yet, but it definitely at least on par. It definitely kind of feels like some Oda-level planning at times. Like, obviously the scope of Demon Slayer is a lot smaller. Like, Demon Slayer is not going to last as long as One Piece. I mean, nothing's going to last as long as One Piece, um, because One Piece is a weird, crazy thing. Yeah, but like... It definitely seems like Gotoge had a lot of these ideas really well thought out. And maybe it's because the one shot uh, that Demon Slayer is based off of, Kagarigari, was like one of like their earliest one shots. So maybe like those kind of ideas had ruminated in their mind for a long time. But it's still just really interesting to see this. Like there's so much thought put into this and that it just makes me love Demon Slayer even more. Oh yeah, the fact that whether this was pre-planning ahead or this is stuff that later on going, oh, hey, I made these little plot hooks. Now, how can I use them? Either way, it's genius. Yeah, 100%. And I, I honestly just love the world building we're having here. Where we're just getting a bigger and bigger look into things. And yeah, we, we you could say we got a plot dump with you, Yushiro, but she gave us, or not Yushiro, why did I say, Tamiya, my brain sw- switched names. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Um, Maybe you need to sleep. Probably. <laughs> uh, but, but Tamio gave us a lot of interesting information, and uh, I'm glad that, that, that that's there. It's it's really interesting. Um, the, uh, around this time in the manga is where I started getting really interested. Um, I, I've I mentioned before, the manga took me a lot longer to get into than the anime did. This is in the manga where I started getting, oh... There's stuff going on. Oh, my God. Like, there's just so much that's being hinted at and pointed at and allows me to make crackpot theories, which I love doing. So I'm happy with that. But it's really good to have good setup. Yeah, definitely. So this adapts chapters 14 and 15 of the manga. And I was just quickly going through it. And it's interesting that uh, Muzan is reminded of... Uh, the mysterious swordsman with the Hanafuda earrings from his past when Tanjiro's yelling at him. And in the manga, it is a bit more obscure with the design. Like, it still has kind of the rough design that the anime has, but it's a bit more faded, and the blade itself, it's, like, because it's in black and white, it's harder to tell if, like, it's actually red or not. Yeah, I honestly... Didn't even remember that they they showed that in the manga. So when I saw it in the end, I'm like, oh, I see. Yeah, it's like this, like, it's this two set of panels, like, on, like, the fifth page of chapter 14. It's such a small detail, but, like, you can clearly tell that it resonates in some way with Muzan. Like, he reacts to it, like, instantly. And it gives him, like, an instant shiver. Like, it has this, like, amazing, like, shiver sound effect on one of the pages. So it's definitely interesting that they kind of move that over to the drunkard section, but also kind of added more detail to the character design of the swordsman. And that 
I feel like that might be because Gotage had more of uh, the plot planned out at that point. So, like, they were able to, like, maybe convey to Yuffie Table and the writing team for the anime that, hey, this is what the design of the character is going to look like when I eventually introduce them. And this is one of the things I definitely like about the anime, where we've had the benefit of having gone much further into the story, and we're making small revisions, moving certain things around where it makes more dramatical sense and where we could add more detail. I really feel like the anime is almost like the director's cut of the story. It kind of is in a way. And I think Demon Slayer has an even bigger advantage than other series simply because it got an anime so late. Like it didn't get like an announcement of one until like well past its 100th chapter. Also, it kind of helps that one guy who did Fate read it and was like, hey, this is pretty good. I'm going to get my buddies to animate this and make it look really nice. <laughs> that too always helps. The attention to detail that Yufa Table puts into their work is always tremendous. And I feel like with like Gautier's already strong writing and the efforts of Yufa Table, it's just the perfect match to create such a solid adaption that really can be like a definitive version to experience the story. Yeah, it's like Vader SAO, but with actual good writing. The hot takes are real. I'm not going to even end up disagreeing with you on that one, but the hot takes are real. I mean, I definitely agree with the SAO part, but we don't, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> I mean, it's got the same singer on the opening and the same o- OST writer. So my joke still stands. Fair enough. But uh, any other thoughts about this uh, episode? Muzan can fuck me up. I'm not surprised about that in the slightest. Uh, neither am I, and I, I, was, I was waiting for that to happen, and there it is. It was just building up. At some point in the episode, it had to be said. It, there were early, We had our own levels of foreshadowing in this podcast, and, and then there's your payoff. Gotage's been writing the podcast. Yes, Gotage's secretly been writing the podcast. He's been passing his notes. No, not really. Please don't, don't, no, don't, don't actually think that. As awesome as that would be, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of the episode, Lorne? I mean, I, I already kind of went over my thoughts. I thought it was a really solid episode. Laser, what did you think of the episode? I rather enjoyed it. It's not my number one episode, but it's pretty dang good, and it's a lot of good information. So, the lore nerd that I am, oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there is also quite a few new dub performances in this episode. So let's just go down the cast list here. First up, we have Tamayo, who was voiced by Laura Post. For those not familiar with her, she's done Blizzard in One Punch Man Season 2. Um, she was Kasumi in Persona 5. Um, and Isabella in The Promised Neverland. So really good uh, track record there. And I definitely have enjoyed all the performances I've heard of hers before. And she also just did a great job as Tamayo here. I can't disagree with any of that. That's, yeah. The Honestly, Chad she Tamayo. had a good feel for, for who she is from that voice. Yeah, definitely. Then we have uh, Yushiro, who is voiced by Kyle McCarley. He's uh, been quite in quite a few roles. He's currently Narancia in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. And he's been a mob in Mob Psycho 100. Uh, Shinji Mato in Fate Stay Night. Um, and quite a few different characters. So, 
Like, I, I thought, like, he did a perfect performance as well. Yushiro sounds great. So no no complaints for me. Likewise, I still prefer I the Dyke King, but that's just me. I mean, I'm pretty much always going to prefer dub voice actors in almost every iteration. I have my exceptions, but I'm, I'm definitely happy with this dub uh, casting. Yeah, and then uh, moving down to the demons that were introduced in this episode, um, their names are Yahaba and Susumaru. Um, so the male demon Yahaba is voiced by Xander Mobis. That's the guy who does Smash Narrator. Yup, he is the Smash Narrator. Um, he's also Joker in Persona 5. Sexy. Yeah, yeah. No no complaints there either. Um, and aside from that, he's been in a few different roles. He was Kogoro in the the new dub of Dete- of Detective Code. Why are you hiding that, TMS? I need that. I, I want to see it so bad. And I'm mad that I flew in the same day they were putting that in theaters in AX. I, I, I wanted to see that. But yeah, he, he was a... Uh, he was a Kogoro in the Zeros the Enforcer movie, which is a really good movie. Where are you hiding that TMS? TMS, please just please release it somewhere. Please. Anywhere. I, I don't care if it has to be on a streaming server somewhere. In fact, that would be great. But somewhere. Or just release it somewhere. Anywhere. They dubbed up one of the specials and one of the movies, and those uh, were debuted at Charicon like a week or so ago. So I, I wish those would come out as well, because that also has one of my favorite characters in it, Heiji Hattori. I, I need more dubbed Heiji, damn it. Give me my dubbed Heiji. Let V-Lord have Heiji, let me have Amaro, everyone wins. Win-win situation. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Amaro, Kyle McCarley also voiced uh, Amaro in that film. Dude, damn it, V-Lord, why you gotta, like, make me so upset by mentioning the dubbed Conans? <laughs> If it makes you feel better, it's me waiting for more actual Gintama dub. I'm gonna just leave I mean, we that have there. more Gintama dub. It's just uh, I said more real Gintama dubs. I'm 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 pretending those don't exist. I me want too. more from the from the part three dub cast because they're great. Yeah. But uh, overall Xander Mobus did a really good job as Yahaba. Oh, I'm yeah. satisfied with it. Um moving on, the female demon Susamaru was voiced by Sarah Ann Williams. She's done quite a few roles, um, including uh, Neferpito in Hunter Hunter, Ooh, that's Lisbeth in Sword Art Online, Non Non in Kill a Kill, and Sayaka in Madoka Magica. Basically all A-plus roles. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, another great performance. And really, like, the performances are always just kind of good. There, there hasn't really been a bad performance in this dub, really. I, 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 I still mean, think I Tanjiro sounds kind of mid. So. I don't know. I, I really like Zach Aguilar's performance as Tanjiro. I think he does a really good job. It wasn't what I was expecting, but I like it better than what I was expecting. So I still think it sounds kind of mid compared to what I hear in the Japanese version, but that's just me personally. And to each their own. You're allowed to have uh, your own feel on that. Yeah. One other thing to note is uh, Brooke Chalmers mentioned this to us in our interview with him that we did recently, but he was apparently the demon that uh, Muzan infected in this episode, the one that attacked everyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. Trivia. So if you notice in like the additional voices, there's a few like uh, voice actors that do other roles in the show that are also voicing like more minor characters like Alex Lay who voices 
is uh, Zenitsu is uh, listed as an additional voice, and Doug Earls, who does the Casa Guy Crows, is also an additional voice. So like, they're I think they're bringing in like uh, a lot of these voice actors to do those roles as well while they're doing their kind of main roles, which is uh, interesting. It makes it fun. Like even if it's the same voice actor, they can do different takes on what they're doing. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, like. All these voice actors are talented. They can do multiple different voices, and they have versatility. So it's nice to see them being able to do multiple roles. Versatility. Heck yeah, versatility. But uh, yeah. Any final thoughts about the episode? Um, I, it was a good episode. Glad that they're continuing to uh, do amazing work on this dub, and I look forward to seeing where it goes. And please give us uh, the dub in theaters for the movie when it comes out. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely want to see Infinity Train in theaters. I'd be happy either sub or dub, but hey, if we get both, that's even better. Yes, I, I think both would be the obvious optimal choice. I'll probably see it in Japanese before I see it in English, not gonna lie. Hey, nothing wrong with that. That's your preference. Muzan, please return my calls. <laughs> so you've been stalking him. Aha. And now we know why Muson's evil. It all makes sense now. Yes. All the gears are coming to place. But yeah, I mean, overall, just another solid episode of Demon Slayer. But I guess now we should plug our stuff and get out of here. So, Laser, where can the good people find you? Well, people can find me over on Twitter at uh, LaserKidPrime. And they can also find me on the uh, Toonami Faithful Discord, bouncing around like the crazy person that I am. Awesome. And Allison, where can people find you? At Meowth900 on Twitter.com and also the Discord if you want to hang out. We don't bite much. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. I mean, there's Sean again, but you know. Sean takes a big bite, but that's why he's in the Demon Slayer jail. That is why he's in the Demon Slayer jail. Also because he likes snow. Yeah, why does he like snow? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ where I am either reading manga, writing reviews, or not sleeping. I might also be doing all three at the same time, but you never know. Aside from Twitter, you can find my manga reviews over on all-comic.com, and my more Tanami-focused articles and reviews over on TanamiFaithful.com. So check out all my content on those. Um, as far as the podcast is concerned, you can follow that on Twitter at dslayerpodcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonslayerpodcast. And we also have a subpage on the TanamiFaithful.com website that is TanamiFaithful.com slash demonslayerpodcast. And we post updates about the podcast in various Demon Slayer news on the Twitter feed, so definitely check out that if you're interested in any of that. And the podcast itself is available on a wide variety of platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we're probably there. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just make sure to check us out. But yeah, that about does it for this episode, so we will see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.